Hi, everyone. We are live. Welcome to the broadcast. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. We're so happy to uh, have you join us this uh, Wednesday night. And uh, tonight, do we have an important subject, topic that we want to talk about? Uh, and, and I'm going to let Elizabeth present it to you guys. On purpose broadcast. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you're pointing. You like watching us as we talk to the people. <laughs> so we, we're here watching ourselves on this screen. No. We're being filmed on this camera. I like to and see. And we got the people are here like we're. I like to see I who's there. I feel like there. we're all over the place. I like to see who's there and so I can uh, chit-chat with them and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> the, the joys of technology. What can I say? So I'm Elizabeth Richard. Oh, yeah. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Sebastian Richard. And she's Elizabeth, like she just said. So we're the founders of Thriving on Purpose, if you don't know us. Uh, we're glad to have you with us tonight. And Liz, let's dig right away into what we're going to talk about tonight so that people uh, people will want to stay for this one, that's for sure. Yeah, so today we're talking about the church transformation um, that's happening right now in 2021. 2020, but slash 2021, we're going to this. Yeah, and uh, you know, the body of Christ has been feeling this for a while now, and um, they're very alarmed by the, the changes in the church and, you know, what's going on, and, and they feel that the enemy is trying to crumble the church and, and get rid of the church and with this whole COVID thing. And so, uh, you know, I, I really felt the, the Holy Spirit, the Lord telling me to talk about this topic um, to really help you guys see the bigger picture so that you're not in, um, you know, panic mode and that we're able to uh, kind of, you know, sail with the wind here and go in the right direction. So, you know, we're going to talk about rethinking and reforming the way we do church. So as we know, you know, um, you know, we've been in the entrepreneur space uh, for, for a while now. Um, it's all about reinventing ourselves uh, regularly and growing and, and moving forward and uh, never getting stale and um you know things change like media has changed the marketing world has changed and i know that a lot of people when they think of you know church and and christianity and, and ministry they think that it should stay the same way it's always been for the last 30 years and that they're you know that it, they don't need to do anything about it and uh, we're really seeing a shift and you know we've heard a lot of prophetic words talking about a God doing a reset, right? We hear about uh, revival coming in the body of Christ. Yeah, never mind. Never mind the reset of Justin Trudeau. God's going to do a reset. And it's going to be something else. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so, you know, what does that look like? What does that mean? And you know, a lot of people have this this idea in their head of how that's going to go down, and they don't see the signs. So, one of the signs is that God is going to really bring the church, the body of Christ. So, not the church as a building as a, you know, where I go to church every Sunday, but the church, the body of Christ. So all the believers are going to be, feel closer to God because he's going to, um, he's going to create such a, a, a revival that people are going to uh, thirst for more of him and more of a closer relationship with him where, um, you know, he's even, you're going to feel more of his presence in your home. And, um, you know, it's going to be more of a personalized one-on-one uh, -on -one kind of thing. And um, it won't be like it used to be where, um, you know, you semi felt his presence at home if you, you know, spent the time with him. And sometimes you did and sometimes you didn't. And, you know, you'd go to church and then, you know, after worshiping for 40, 45 minutes, then we feel the presence of the Lord. And so you always would go to that building to, to have that 
uh, presence to feel that. So it's going to really shift and become more like in the olden days. And yet we're going to do things with technology that weren't uh, weren't possible in the olden days. And so I want you to be open-minded if you're, you're a church leader or maybe you're somebody that's always wanted to do something for the Lord and you didn't know where to begin and you see a lot of people doing online ministry and you're kind of overwhelmed. Where do I start? How do I do this? So this is going to really help you to give you kind of like a blueprint. And we're going to use scripture. I'm going to talk about uh, really cool um, church models that are working right now. And it's really going to open your eyes to see how you can adapt and kind of bring some um, entrepreneurship and also a lot of biblical principles that are going to um, be there as a strong foundation to, to build your ministry. So, um, you know, you might be seeing things shifting and you're kind of worried, you know, how do I do this? I still already have a church. Well, uh, you know, we can create a hybrid of doing part of it online. And we're going to show you the, the pros of that uh, without, you know, getting rid of the building. Um, but at least so it will prepare you if things, um, you know, kind of get out of hand. And we know in the United States, there's a lot of talk about you know, closing down churches and some pastors, unfortunately, had to close down churches. Well, never mind in the United States. Just this week in Canada, there was this church in Ontario where, yeah. uh, uh, was it Ontario or Alberta? I don't remember, but uh, uh, the, the, the RCMP was, yeah, were in the was, parking lot and they were just blocking the access. They, they couldn't even do church uh, in their, know, in in their, their own, uh, the parking lot of the church. It was it was being blocked. Yeah, the, that's like disgusting. But anyway, yeah. he was actually trying to teach um, from his pickup, if I remember correctly. And the, the cops came and they were trying to get him off of the um, his own property, basically, and getting the, the Christians out of the picture and he couldn't preach and stuff. So they, they didn't want him to do any form of church, right? Yeah. So in Canada, it's, it's more regimented. It's even worse than it is in the United States. But I know that in the United States for a long time now, since COVID, they've, you know, slapped uh, heavy fines on churches that stay open. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're basically giving you ideas and what to implement so that you can still have, um, you know, you can still be thriving in the body of Christ, in the community that you built in your church, even if they do try to close you down, it doesn't have to close down your ministry, basically. Exactly. And you mentioned earlier revival, that God is doing a major thing right now in the West starting with the United States. I believe, I believe the revival is going to really be ignited in the United States first. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be like the, where the spark's going to really start. Uh, but revival in history, in church history, always follows hard times. Mm. So hard times cause repentance in people. They turn to God. They want, uh, they plead with him. They pray. And then revival comes. That's usually the pattern. So hard times, repentance, revival it's a, it's a cycle that we've seen it all throughout church history so yes there's going to be a revival but it's going to come at a price as it always has but it is absolutely necessary so that's why we titled this this uh, broadcast church transformation 2021 and the subtitle is rethinking and reforming the way we do church and like liz mentioned there, there's been all kinds of things happening so far in in 2020 with covid actually the government uh, uh, legislations because of COVID, mm -hmm. okay? It's not COVID itself that, that did this to the church buildings and ministries and all that. It's government legislations 
using the excuse of COVID to close down churches. But nevertheless, no matter how it happened, we've seen church closer, closures, we've, we've seen pastors losing their jobs, or all of a sudden, uh, full-time ministers having to go find a part-time job to make ends meet. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, like Elizabeth mentioned earlier, and I, uh, uh, the, the, the police taking uh, matters into their own hands, cl closing down churches, forbidding access, all kinds of stuff. But here's the good news. Despite what we're seeing, despite what we've seen in 2020, the church is doing just fine. The church is in no trouble at all. And I know this might seem as a surprise to some of you, but if you've been listening to us for a while, you know exactly where I'm coming from. So despite what we're seeing, we know that what Jesus said, that the gates of hell would not prevail against the advancing church, it still applies. It doesn't change. It's not because of what we've been seeing, all the fake news. Don't forget, the devil's an expert in fake news. So what he's trying to push right now is that the church is in trouble. Look at that. We're closing down buildings. Oh, pastors are losing their jobs. Ooh, the church is in trouble. No, the, the church, capital C, body of Christ, is doing just fine. Now, what we are seeing, what we are seeing is a little different. And I saw a, a, a post on Facebook, on social media this week, that I thought, like, this expresses exactly what is going on. And here's what the post said. It said, God's church isn't in trouble. Man's church is in trouble. So what we're seeing right now is the way we've been doing church, you know, the buildings and, and the, the parking lots and, and all, the, all the stuff that, that we've been doing the way we've been doing it for decades and decades and even centuries. That system, that way of doing church is in trouble. But the church, as in body of Christ, is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And well, in most cases anyway. And, and, and it's not in trouble per se because Jesus promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And that's what we're seeing right now is that the gates of hell are trying to prevail against the church. And they won't, but they're still going to try. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, back in 2010, and I hope I have the date down right. Pastor, megachurch pastor and author Francis Chan felt a very peculiar call. He had a megachurch, I think 4,000, maybe 5,000 yeah, 5, people. 5,000, 4,000. Anyway, so back in 2010, he felt a very special and unique call to leave all that way of doing things behind and to really concentrate his efforts into building uh, or, or reimagining or rethinking the church, which was basically, uh, according to his own words, and we're going to play a clip for you guys, getting back to the biblical New Testament model of doing church. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. It's nothing uh, out there. He didn't go and, 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 and invent something new. He just looked at the Bible and went like, you know what? I think we've been doing it wrong for a long time now. I don't feel comfortable comfortable doing it this way anymore. I would like to try something new, but it's not new at all. <laughs> Basically, I would like to try something old and get back to the way it was done and see how that works. And uh, I'm going to play the clip that we have for you guys because I think it speaks volumes. And you're going to appreciate where uh, Mr. Chan is coming from. And it's going to set the tone for the rest of this broadcast as well because it, it really ignites the, what we're talking about tonight. So here's Francis Chan on 
uh, his move to leave a big mega church as a pastor and try something old, something new, old. Anyway, you be the judge. So the next question is, uh, what is working well in your We Are Church model that others can reproduce in mm -hmm. other areas in San Francisco or elsewhere? That's a good question. Okay, so those who don't know, I started a church in Southern California, just out of my living room. Ended up growing to like 5,000 people. Um, not in my living room. But, uh, you know, so we did the typical church, and that's all I knew what to do. But I got frustrated at a point, just biblically. I'm going, wait a second. According to the Bible, every single one of these people has a supernatural gift that's meant to be used for the body. And I'm like, 5,000 people show up every week to, to hear my gift, see my gift. That's a lot of waste. Then I start thinking, how much does it cost to run this thing? Millions of dollars. And I'm going, gosh, how come people in other countries go to church for free? Like, that seems like a waste. So I'm wasting the, the human resource of these people that, according to Scripture, have a miraculous gift that they could contribute to the body, but they're just sitting there quietly. Meanwhile, they'll go to their companies, and they're running big companies, they're doing this and that, and yet they just sit there and listen to me. And year after year, and just got so convicted, I thought, wait, and then the Bible says, oh, I forgot we're supposed to love each other. Like, that's not a small command. Like, that's over and over. He says, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. And then there's over 50 one another's in the New Testament. So I'm going, God, I'm so sorry. Our people don't even like each other. You know, like, I make them greet each other for 30 seconds. You know, like, that's, that's the extent. And it doesn't, it's not like we're mean to each other. We, we just, we like people if they were like us. And we'd pick, you know, little clicks. But it... I was like, God, this, you wanted a church that was known for their love. You wanted a group of people where everyone was expressing their gifts. And, and otherwise, that body, he, he talks about we're a body. I'm one member. Maybe I'm the mouth. But if the mouth is the only thing that's working in the church, and I'm trying to drag the rest of the body along, chewing on the carpet and inching, <laughs> you know, I, what would a body look like where everyone's using their gifts? And everyone's eagerly pursuing the spiritual gifts like 1 Corinthians tells us to do. Man, what could that be like? And is it even possible, like if we were a church and started one right now, could we literally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, love each other so much that people would, it would blow people's minds? I love this clip uh, because it expresses so much in so little time. And it really is, it's funny because I really feel like Francis Chan was called to spearhead this move of God that was going to happen in 2020. Um, to spearhead the, the reinventing of the church or the, the church being pushed to reinvent itself or to rethink how they do things. Uh, so Liz, you wanted to share something with the audience. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think it's really wonderful to see his leadership yeah. Because, you know, as he understood that every believer has something to give, something to offer. Yeah. And, you know, what happens when uh, I come from um, a big church of, well, big, it's not that big in big the United Quebec. States. In Quebec was big. 
Yeah, it was, we were about 800 people. And so we had a lot of different ministries going on, you know, um, to, to fulfill needs for everybody in the body of Christ. However, you know, it gets kind of too big at one point and impersonal where you kind of know people and who they are, but you don't really know them and you don't really get a chance to, to get to know them really well. So um, I can understand, you know, why he saw that, you know, people weren't connecting in the way that he wanted them to connect. And also from a leadership standpoint, I mean, you know, as a leader, um, you want your uh, leaders in the church to thrive, right? And if you can only be at the head of one ministry at a time, and let's say you have four or five ministries in a, in a big church, then that leaves a lot of people that are, um, you know, trying to apply themselves as servant leadership, servant leaders, but don't necessarily uh, have the chance to, to show show their gifts uh, or not show their gifts, but to uh, sure. share to their gifts share their to gift other believers, share. right? Yeah. So, um, so that's why this model, the way the vision he was seeing um, was really that, you know, too big at one point, you kind of lack a lot of different fundamental things that are crucial to the body of Christ uh, thriving and staying, um, staying alive, fully alive. And, you know, a couple of years ago, about uh, two years ago, um, or maybe even three now. No, two years. About a two good years. two years. Well, before COVID even, the Lord was speaking to me and, um, you know, Sebastian wanted to, to do things in ministry. We were doing Thriving on Purpose and was taking more of a, um, a faith-based um was becoming faith-based uh, because and, and it started I, and I secular. Felt, and I felt that I should uh, look into leaving my secular job to go in full-time ministry. Yeah, and the Lord spoke to me. And, um, you know, he he basically uh, kind of showed me because I was studying marketing um, a couple of years ago. And it's like he just kind of showed me um, like a vision of what was going to become in the future of the body of Christ and the churches. And, and I said, I just have this this knowing it's like, I know that the, the church model that we're used to is not going to thrive like it used to, that it's like that, that period has been done with and the Lord is doing a new, a new thing, thing. Yeah. and that, you know, it's really going to be um, the, the churches that are on fire for God that are going to adapt um, with technology and adapt in creative ways to, um, to really unite as a body of Christ and realize that they don't need a building to, to be united as a community. Yeah, and this really aligned with what we were already doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I, like, like I said, I was, I was wanting to leave my secular job to go in full-time ministry and thriving on purpose was not quite where we wanted it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start maybe looking for J-O-B's jobs in the church, maybe as a pastor, assistant pastor, whatever. And uh, Liz was like, "No, no, you're you're not. You shouldn't be doing that because this is this is not where where we're going." And when she said when where we're going, she meant me and her, but she also meant the body of Christ, where where things are going to change very fast, and you're going to see this is not this is not going to be a model that's going to fit the new way of doing mm -hmm. that God what God is doing in the future. And, and so I did. I didn't quite like. I understood what she meant because I obviously technology. You know, it's 2018, so uh, we, we knew where, where technology was going. We'd seen all the YouTube videos and all the the broadcast, the live the Facebook lives, and all that. But of course, COVID had not hit them. And it's so incredible when COVID hit. All of a sudden, 
and the church closures and the uh, the government regimentation and all the everything that happened. We saw all those ministries, powerful ministries, big time names and, and uh, pastors and leaders in the church shifting to online, doing uh, Facebook Live stuff that we'd never seen before because they didn't see the need for it. They were, you know, they had their tech team doing YouTube videos for them, filming them and doing it for them. But now these big names were just like stopping by on their iPhone and say, I just want to say hi. And then there was, or they would just do a sermon on a Sunday. And, and it was a, a like a new thing. And I was like, I told Liz, I said, this is what you prophesied two years before you, you said it, you called it. <laughs> I said, Liz, you called it. And, mm -hmm. but it wasn't just COVID. I think it's that, see, everybody's talking about this being the new normal and all that. We're, we're never going to go back. See, there's, here's what I want to address. There's a lot of people right now in the body of Christ, leaders included, who are just waiting. They're like, okay, everything's going to, this is going to uh, blow over. It's going to be all over soon. We're going to be able to go back to normal. Trump and is going to be reelected. Trump gonna is going to be reelected. Our churches will be reopened. Everything's going to be great and wonderful and dandy. But you know what? I don't think it can ever get back to normal after what we've been through. And does this mean that churches won't reopen? No, not necessarily. But even if they do reopen, I think every pastor whose worth is salt now knows that they need a plan B. And when I say plan B, I don't, I don't mean a secular job. That's not what I mean. I, I mean, they need a plan B on how they do ministry, how they do church. Because uh, they probably, if they haven't experienced the online way, because some pastors haven't. I know some pastors just like waiting on the sidelines, waiting for everything to get back to normal. They probably had a, a cushy savings account or whatnot, and they're just waiting for this to blow over. But most of them uh, didn't. They were really engaged in their ministry. They're like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to let the government dictate what I can do or cannot do. I'm just going to go in and and do Facebook lives or more YouTube videos or whatnot. And they've been engaging differently, and they've been seeing the fruit of that because there's been tremendous fruit. I, I've seen some incredible testimonials of of pastors doing online healings, online deliverance, uh, uh, online teachings that have been. Uh, 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 offering you know, all kinds of helps to the body of Christ, all kinds of blessings, testimonials of people coming to Christ. Yeah, new I, believers. That I are have seen showing up on their broadcast, and it's all done online. And you're like, wow. And mm -hmm. and and of course, Francis Chan, when he did the clip we showed you, that was in 2017. The clip I told you in 2010, he, he left to, to do this new way of doing things, but. Um, so he's, he's been basically uh, teaching, rethinking the church, a way to do it uh, more like in homes. Uh, and that's been working fantastically. There's been tremendous growth in, in, in um, home-based churches, I guess you could call them. And speaking of which, let's look, let's open our Bibles. Let's go in Acts chapter 2. Let's look at the early church. How was the early church? Uh, and, and I believe Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, give us a really good glimpse of how it was when that uh, the new fledgling church was growing and starting its first steps. Uh, so Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles. So that speaks about um, what happened after Peter preached and uh, 3,000 people got saved. And it says afterwards what happened, right? So, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, 
in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. And it's funny because, you know, when you're used to reading a passage over and over again throughout the years, sometimes there's stuff you just like, you just read through it. You don't see it. You don't think it the same way. But this morning that really hit me. I was like, wow. Then fear came upon every soul. Mm -hmm. So in the early church, there was tremendous fear of the Lord. And I believe that that was a big part of the secret of the power of the early church. So uh, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So I believe these things went together, the fear of God and the signs and wonders. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all and as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So, so they were uh, assembling in the temple. The temple's pretty big. There, there was a big public place there and all that. So they could assemble there in, in, in groups and, and get some teachings done. And from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the church kept growing. There were more and more people turning and giving their lives to Christ. And I like in the passage, it says they were also meeting in house to, in different houses and house to house. So concerning these meetings in houses, I think this is so important for us to understand. There's a ton of, of verses in the New Testament that talk about these house meetings, these house churches. I'm just going to give you guys a few. So in Philemon uh, 1 verse 2, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So it was addressed to the church in their house. Acts 20, 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. So uh, Priscilla and Aquila had a church in their house. And Romans chapter 16, verse 5, greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epenetus, and uh, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. All this to say that it was a common thing. It was the way things were done in the fledgling church. Um, they had they went to the temple, and that was their and also in uh, uh, public places to preach. But the custom was very, very, very much house to house. And we remember that in Acts also, um, Paul was preaching that long sermon. It was past midnight. And that young boy fell off the window and died. And he, then he resurrected him. Talk about a, a, a miraculous event in a, in a house church. So all this to say that with all that's been done in 2020 by the devil against the church of Jesus Christ and against mostly the, the where we assemble, the buildings yeah. and the way we do church, we're seeing that man's model of doing church, not God's model. God's model is forever and it's going to always be strong. 
But man's ways, the way we've been doing it for the last decades and centuries, this seems to be coming to a very abrupt shift. And you've ever heard, if you're an entrepreneur, you might have heard the, uh, the saying, it's kind of trite, but it's true, adapt or die. Those who don't adapt, die out. And we're in kind of like that season right now where things are shifting. And I'm not saying that it's going to be over, that uh, the church buildings are going to be over. But I'm saying that we need to see the bigger picture of where this is all going. And we need to adapt. Yeah. And, you know, the, the bigger picture is that man has tried its best to please God by creating church so that, you know, the body of Christ can grow, that they can be united as a big family and, and break bread together. And it's not that it was a bad thing for all this to happen. It was there was a lot of blessings and a lot of good Tremendous, things. And yeah. God moved in many ways in in uh, in that model. But through the years, what's happened is that a lot of people have become lukewarm, lukewarm, like um, they don't, you know, when it gets uh, too big, let's say, mm. uh, what happens is that uh, there's not, there isn't that uh, accountability. Uh, the pastor doesn't really see you as much. He doesn't have time to have that conversation with you. Where are you at? You know, how's it going with your, with your personal life with God and, you know, all kinds of things that, um, that you know keep the the body of christ in check if you want but not only that but also the engagement from people yeah. like francis was saying in the clip they're just sitting there and they're in the week they go back to their jobs where they're running a, a, a corporation corporations and, and, they're and then they go to church and they're just sitting there and that's yeah. wasted potential exactly and so that's what's basically happened you know there there isn't um enough room for everybody let's say in, in exactly. the body of christ to be active Yeah. And uh, it's just the way it is. It's not because it's a, it's a, it was a bad thing to start with. It's just that when it gets too big, then you have way too many what we call bench warmers and they go to get fed, but they don't give back and they, they're missing out on using their potential for Christ on figuring out, figuring out what is your purpose because it's not your nine to five job most of the time. It's not your, that's not your purpose. So people don't even question. They just do the routine. They're miserable. They go to church, try to get a pick-me-up, try to get edified, go back to the crappy job they hate, nine to five, they, that sucks, and, you know, on and on and on. And then this routine uh, wears them off, and then they're like, you know what, I don't I don't feel like going to church anymore. It's just not like doing it for me. Off. It's just not doing it for me. I just, you know, don't, don't feel alive. I, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of my week, you know. And then so a lot of people, a lot of pastors have been alarmed with COVID because they're like, well, Now there's a bunch of people that, you know, since I reopened, they just never came back. Well, those were lukewarm people. You just didn't know it. Those and, were people that, that hadn't, you know, didn't really have a real relationship with Christ. And it was easier to get used to watching football and, uh, you know, being lazy on Sundays. And, you know, um, or they they felt that they weren't getting spiritually fed and got fed elsewhere. So, you know. Yeah, but that's a good point you're bringing. That's so important. There's a, a, a sifting going on right now yeah. uh, between the uh, the cold and the hot and the lukewarm. And, and the lukewarm are just, they, they're not equipped for this. They can't deal with this. Mm -hmm. So they're going to leave. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. It won't take much for them to leave. And don't panic. That's a good thing. You mm -hmm. want that. Um, I did a video, a, a teaching a while back, it was called the shaking of the church. And I was basically saying, look, Jesus said we are the salt of the earth. 
Now, if, a, if salt stays in the salt shaker and it's not being poured out, is it useful? No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's like the salt shaker. Imagine that as being the four walls of the church. Well, it's kind of funny because the devil attacked uh, religion and, and organized church full front assault by closing down those churches. But what he didn't realize is he broke the salt shaker. And now all the little believers are out of the four walls of the church and they're realizing uh, uh, my, my faith was kind of dead. I, I'm feeling a tingle. Yeah, and Is that the Holy Ghost? Woo. And, they're, and now they're, they're getting ready to get out there and change the world. And we're seeing it and it's happening right now. So, hey, guys, make sure you go back on our YouTube channel. Check that video out. It was really good. It's called The Shaking of the Church. And the image is that of a salt shaker. Uh, you're going to really be blessed by that. But uh, all this to say, man's church model right now is failing. That was man's church model. And that's a good thing. You don't see it as a bad thing. It's a God thing and it's a good thing. And it's slowly, because of this, this uh, what we're being squeezed through right now, we're being pushed through the birth canal. And what happens to a baby when he's being pushed through the birth canal is he's being squeezed and sometimes his head is like, oh, <laughs> I don't think you it, <laughs> it doesn't look very pretty. It's like, but, but. When he pops out, finally, you got this beautiful little baby and a beautiful new birth. And I think this is what is happening to the church right now. We're being squeezed through these events, through this, this shaking of the church. But it's going to birth a wonderful thing that God is trying to do. And I wanted to address another thing that we don't always talk about. But with this, this model that we've been used to of doing church, right, with a building, probably very expensive building, some employees, secretary, pastor, assistant pastor, worship pastor, all the people involved. There's something that we don't talk about often, and that's called ministerial burnout or pastoral burnout. And I went and looked at some statistics, and I was very troubled by what I found. I didn't even expect it to be that bad, to be honest. I was like, can I find some statistics on pastoral burnout? Because I know it's a thing. Uh, I, I, I know it's a thing. I've seen it. And, and I wanted to know what's out there about stats. Well, check these out. These are really eye-opening. And these are linked to the way we've been doing church for the longest time. The way we think is efficient and good and godly and the way we should be doing it. Well, mm -hmm. check this out. This is pastoral burnout statistics. 75% of pastors report being extremely stressed or highly stressed. 90% of pastors work between 55 to 75 hours per week. That's really good for the family. Not. 90% of pastors feel fatigued and worn out every week. Hmm. Supposed to be, like, this is supposed to be ministry, right? I mean, I. And if I'm not mistaken, if, if we're doing it in the spirit, it's gonna go, it's gonna be okay. It doesn't mean you'll never be tired, but it's gonna be okay. This is not okay. This is not okay. This is not God's way. When you see stats like that, you're like, there's something wrong here. 70% say they're grossly underpaid. Now I've seen all kinds of salaries in the church. 40% report a serious conflict with a parishioner at least once a month. Talk about stress, serious conflict. 
40% once a month. 78% were forced to resign from their church and 63% of pastors at least twice. I, it reminds me of uh, coaching jobs in the NHL. There used to be a running gag about that. If you become a coach in the NHL that you know you don't have job security for sure. Well, past, pastoral work is similar here. Mm -hmm. And most commonly, they're being asked to resign because of church conflict. 80% of pastors will not, will not be in ministry 10 years later. And only a fraction make it a lifelong career. I personally have known uh, a couple of pastors, good men, men who love the Lord, who have been burnt out by church ministry, who went back full throttle in a secular job and never even looked back. I don't even know if they went to church afterwards. That's how much, how badly they were burnt out by church life. Not by this, not by uh, following yeah. Christ, church life, church activity. Mm -hmm. That's that's troubling. Uh, on average, seminary trained pastors last only five years in church ministry. Think about that. So they go study seminary. So if they go to get a, uh, a master's, it's maybe four years. Let's say it's four years. And they last, on average, five years in the ministry. How troubling is that? Mm, very. 100% of 1,050 Reformed and Evangelical pastors had a colleague who had left the ministry because of burnout. That's every single pastor out there. Think about that. Every single pastor out there interviewed in over 1,000 pastors said that, yep, yeah, I know a colleague who left the ministry because of burnout or church conflict or moral failure. 91% mm -hmm. of pastors have experienced some form some form of burnout in ministry. And 18%, and I shared that one with you today, 18% of pastors say they are, quote unquote, fried to a crisp right now. So what this tells me, when I read these statistics, I was like, this is really spot on exactly the error of Moses. And I'm going to get to that. What's the error of Moses? Well, it's the error of Moses, but it didn't stay an error. It was corrected by his father-in-law, Jethro, who came one day to pay him a visit with his grand, with his, with his, he wanted to see his grandchildren. He was there. He's like, he wants to see Moses in action and because he knew the big thing was happening in Israel and with the people of Israel. So uh, spent some time, you know, a couple of days later, Moses is seating and, and judging, you know, Israel. People come to him with all their problems, and Moses is, is saying, you should do this, and here's what you will do, and here's blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to read to you the passage because it's a long one, but it's really, really worth it because I really feel like uh, following what we read about those statistics of pastoral burnout and what we know of the way we've been doing church, I really feel that we've been repeating with our pastors, basically, the error that Moses did in the beginning of his uh, run with Israel. That's Exodus 18, verses 13 to 27. It's a long one, but it's worth it. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Talk about long day's work. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? In other words, you're saying, Moses, this is nuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Moses said, 
said to his father-in-law, butt out, dude. No, that's not true. That's not what he said. It's his <laughs> father-in-law. He's, he's got some respect. <laughs> so he's explaining to him what he's doing. He says, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Mm-hmm. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. Whoa, that's a powerful word there. You and those people will wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel. And God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Mm. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. That way you'll be able to spend some time with my lovely daughter, Zipporah, and your children who never see you. No, that, but that, <laughs> he, he kind of meant that, but he didn't say it. It's <laughs> Uh, where was I? Uh, okay, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. Mm-hmm. Rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Say that ten times fast. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then, then Moses left his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Yeah, and you know, in an entrepreneurship, we learned this um, very quickly that if you're going to have a team, um, and you know, we're talking corporations when you're growing a business, we're talking about when you're growing a network marketing company, um, you know, when you're join when you join a, a network marketing company, for example, and you have to build leaders, you're you're working to attract leaders to build leaders up so that they may build other leaders. Yeah. So leaders build leaders. Absolutely. So you can't always be that, you know, ultimate leader, like Optimus Prime, that, you know, takes care of this huge church and doesn't fall ever yeah. on his face. It just doesn't happen that way. So and you can't change into a truck either. I mean, so you can't get away from that. And, you know, we learned in the John <laughs> Maxwell, <laughs> we learned in the John Maxwell team, <laughs> we learned in the John Maxwell team, that you know, leaders build leaders, and real leaders build leaders. And so, the advantage of that is that every leader has a strength that you don't have. So, for example, if you're going to build a small community, and you're you're going to have, I don't know, 
two, three liters um, in your, let's say you're doing it in your home, you're doing a, a, a church, a small church you're starting. Well, those two leaders that are with you, chances are their strengths and annoying things and, and what they have to offer as gifts are different from yours. And there's always like things to discover about people that you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like you're actually good at that. I'm, I'm not as good at, I'm not really good at that. So um, if you're doing a project or you're doing something in the community, then all of your strengths and gifts unite together to create something really powerful. Now, oftentimes that's kind of lost in church leadership when it's too big or, you know, the pastor doesn't have time to really sit down and get to know everybody yeah, and exactly, to figure out, yeah. you know, like they can just spot people based on, you know, their, um, their, their acts of service and how they want to help, but they don't really know more about the person. So, um, so when you build a leader, like he was explaining Francis Chan in his, in his, um, in that clip, he's basically uh, strengthening the body of Christ because he's building up that leader. He's giving him that confidence that he needs to go and spread his gifts and use his leadership skills to build other leaders and to build another community. And so, you know, if let's say you're all from, I don't know, California or San Diego, if you all start doing that in your community and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads, then you're the body of Christ is going to be so strong all over that community, all over that city, all over that, that uh, state. Right. So it can go really, really, it can grow crazy, crazy numbers. And uh, do you remember what Francis Chan said, how big it had grown? I remember it was a, cr a crazy number. Oh, it's, it's more like what, what he's done since 2010 by, by starting this new home church movement, it grew exponentially. I mean, it's crazy because they, uh, their system, their model is we're never going to stick together more than six months, six months to a year at a time. In other words, Let's say you have a home church you're opening under this uh, this uh, system, this new way, well, new way, this old way of doing things, <laughs> basically. So going back to this way of home churching. Uh, so you open one in your own home, you got 10 people. Well, your job as the leader of this uh, fledgling uh, church in your home is to train leaders who in turn, in a year from now, will leave to form, in their turn, a new church in their homes. And then... Once that's done, they're going to train people who in turn are going to do the same thing. So there's reproduction, yeah. this, this uh, discipling, constant discipling, mentoring. And, and, and again, it's, it, the, it's really spreading the yeah. church in a much more potent way because now it's not just numbers. Mm -hmm. It's uh, power. I don't know if we call it power numbers, but the it's point multiplication. is multiplication. It's it, leaders multiplying. It's not addition anymore. It's mm -hmm. multiplication because now you got leadership multiplying. Uh, and, and we're going to get to that. So, and and there's nothing that stops you know the those communities from uniting under one umbrella, uh, creating a huge, you know, event to get all united and to get to know each other. Yeah. But it just stop it just stops people from getting stagnant. Stagnant. And, stagnation. And, and you know, in even in a in a small community, in a small Bible setting, people can try to do that. So it's really uh, good to challenge people to to. Uh, figure out, you know, what their purpose is, what is God gifting them with, what is, um, you know, their, what are their strengths, what do they feel the Lord is calling them to, to do, and to really um, get that fruit out of them to share it so that they, they flourish and really become, um, you know, 
they, they feel like they're participating in this. So basically we're getting to the, 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 the crux of this uh, broadcast by offering a solution now. So we want to talk about the solution. And Liz kind of addressed point number one mm -hmm. uh, by saying that this way of doing it in, in smaller settings in homes enables us to create more leaders, to disciple better, more one-on-one -on -one, uh, mentoring and contact. And, and uh, it's just so much better because more you got discipling and, and also yeah. more, uh, more human connection. See what, like you said, Francis Chan, you go to a big church, uh, he's going to, the pastor is going to be like, and it's kind of a thing. Huh? They, they do that every Sunday. Uh, turn to your neighbor, say hi, give a hug, whatever. And uh, 30 seconds. And, and, you, and that's it. That's what you know of these people. You shook their hands. Blah, blah, blah. And, and and usually it's people you're, you you don't, you're not going to go have coffee with them during the week, usually. Uh, so they're not, they're pretty much like strangers. You just shook hands with, yeah. but in a small home church, you don't get, you don't have that because you really get to know one another and grow with one another. And it, and it stops, um, you know, the same person from getting burnt out and, you know, it can yeah. happen really, really fast. I mean, some of you are like, well, you know, I don't have a huge, huge church. That's not happening in my church. Well, you know, if I just look at the past, um, and this is like a known fact in network marketing companies that I've been part of in the past, um, you know, let's say the let's say somebody has about um, 40 people in her organization. Well, if she's the only one constantly answering their questions, constantly trying to give and pour out to them on a daily basis. Yeah, that's a quick burnout. She burns out quick, and yeah. that's only 40 people. So, and, you know, in small churches, people kind of tug on to you even more, mm -hmm. right? They want that connection. They want they want more of you. And so it's easy to, you know, kind of put your family aside and say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't because, you, know, uh, you know, I need to go with Bob, and I need to do this with this, and I need to go to the hospital, and I need to do a wedding, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. And, you know, of course, there are certain things that you studied for and that you need to do, right? That only you well, can uh, yeah, do studied, really, really well. If you studied in ministry, uh, for example, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be a pastor, obviously, uh, the role you play is going to be essential in, in um, building leaders. Building right? leaders, but also them. making sure that these, uh, these smaller um, cells, house churches, are operating fully and efficiently. And we're going to get to that. Uh, yeah, we're going to give some, but, some but really I wanted, good principles. I wanted to read this powerful quote from Francis Chan in We Are the Church. Here's what he yeah. said. So that's from point, like, like point number one. So we're talking about the solutions now, right? We're going to talk about the solutions to this uh, new reality we're facing where potentially some, some church buildings will close down. Number one, one of those solutions implies this. Less programming and more discipling, mentoring, and leadership reproduction, like we mentioned. And here's what Francis Chan said. Contrary to popular belief, we are all called to pastor. And he wrote in parenthesis, a word that simply means shepherd. We are all called to shepherd in one capacity or another. And then he goes on, he says, older women are to shepherd the younger. That's from Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. Parents are to shepherd their children. That's from Ephesians 6.4. Timothy was told to teach others what he himself had been taught. That's 2 Timothy 2.2. We're all called to be making disciples. And that's from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. If you can't find a single person who looks to you as a mentor, 
something is wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And that is such an important reality that we need to face as believers. And I say this often, if you've been following our broadcast, if you've been following our teachings, I always say this. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, don't kid yourself. You are a leader. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you apply it or not, you are called to lead if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Okay, never forget that. In another interview, uh, Francis Chan mentioned how uh, in his home church model, they aimed to be together for a maximum of a year, like I mentioned, before sending other leaders to lead their own church. So that's a tremendous impact, a multiplication factor that has an, an infinite potential of growth for the church in today's day and age. Number two, and this is important. This is really important. This way of doing church, let's say, okay, uh, they shut down our building. We'll do, we're doing it in homes now. Number two, it's going to enable you to put down funds where they matter most. And this is, this is huge. Another statistic, 82% of the average church, church budget goes on personnel, mm -hmm. the building, and administration fees. So that's 82% of the income of the average church, 82% that goes on personnel, paying salaries, the building, and administration fees, you know, uh, keeping the property going with electric bills and all that. So that doesn't leave much room to feed the orphans and the widows, right? Does it? No, it doesn't. Now, if everyone, just uh, theoretically, let's say you... You're a pastor. You're like, you know what? COVID hit us hard this year. We're going we're gonna to shift. We're going to start shifting to this home church model. And maybe you have a six-month action plan that you set up with your board and you want to sell the building in six months or a year, whatever. Think about this. If tomorrow morning you have no more building and none of these things to look after financially, if everybody keeps giving the way they used to and you didn't lose any members, it's a game changer. I, I'm not kidding. It is a game changer. All of a sudden, Johnny, who uh, needs an hosp uh, hospitalization for an operation and the operation costs, I don't know, $10,000. All of a sudden, the church can step in and say, Johnny, we're going to help you and your family. Here's how much we raised for you. Think about that for a second. Or uh, Paul, who lost his job. Not the Apostle Paul. Let's say you got a Paul in your congregation. Lost his job and he can't pay his mortgage. The church can step in and say, hey, Paul, we've got you covered this month. We've got your mortgage. This buys you another month. Can you think of the impact? Stuff that we can't do. Stuff we can't do with the, the corporate big big building uh, way. You know, I, I mean, as, as much as we'd like to. It's just not possible. Churches can't do that. They can't. But in, with this model, what we what we call the new model, which is in fact the old model, the old way of the the, the God way of doing it, all of a sudden you got funds galore that well, can serve. Yes and no. Well, it it is a new model in the sense that with technology today, it's so much easier for people to give a distance. Also, I mean, we have also, yeah. we have GoFundMe, um, you know, pages that people can. 
just click from a click of a button and use their PayPal account, their credit card, their banking, whatever, and you know, give thirty dollars to contribute to 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 a cause. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's sites like Tithely where people can give in a tithe, a monthly tithe. They can even make it reoccurring if they want to to give to 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 that pastor. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you know, why would they give to me if I'm, you know, at home doing my teachings? Um, you know, they, they won't see the point because now I don't have a building and I don't have this and I don't have that. Well, that's for you to to create that vision for people to see how yeah. As the leaders, body of yeah. Christ or are going to benefit that, you know, all the funds are redistributed for causes that need to, to attention to. Uh, or, you know, there obviously there is a part where they can, there's so many sites now that you can actually click, you know, that you're sowing into a ministry of somebody. So you're blessed listening to his teachings. He blesses you. Maybe you get a prophetic word once in a while. Um, and then you decide, I want to sow into this person's ministry. I want to follow. I'm really getting fed by this person. And so you can click on a button and say it's for sowing a seed. Or you can even just say, I'm, I'm tithing because I'm so blessed by your your ministry by your teachings and it's going to be recurring every month so you're going to have monthly supporters that god's going to send you so that's where faith has to take action that's where you have to really apply your faith and and if you really truly believe that your um your your ministry is where you're at that your calling is really that because that's another story there's a lot of good um you know, God-fearing men that think that they should be a pastor just because they love the Lord. And in reality, you know, the purpose is something completely different they're supposed to do for the Lord. So that's a whole other topic. But if you really have this confirmation that you are supposed to be, uh, you know, leading a church and leading and, and offering pastoral um, insights, you know, helping the body of Christ, uplifting them, creating leaders, um, you know, edifying the body of Christ, then you should definitely feel that God is going to back you up. God is going to provide those finances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people are scared because they're like, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't have the internet. She'll never follow me. And she was my faithful supporter. But, you know, there's also email lists to stay in touch with people. And, you know, there's a simple donate button that's very easy to plug into an email list and have, you know, the old school people contributing that way. And also all the new people, right? There's so many people that I've seen that show up on people's broadcasts that are not saved, that are going through uh, difficult times and they hear a teaching, they hear a broadcast that really touches their lives it's on a topic that a friend knew that they needed to hear and they tag them in there yeah. and they start listening to that video. And all of a sudden they, you know, they, 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 they say the word, the salvation prayer at the end of the broadcast and get saved. And, and, and Liz, I just wanted to interject here. Even if you're online, let's say you're doing it online. You might be doing it online. You might be doing it in person in home churches. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what system you're operating in, uh, there's still like, don't worry about the the, the tithe or the, the, the donations for the ministry. Uh if people want to give, they're led by the spirit. They're going to give. They're going to find a way, mm -hmm. whether it's through a donate button or a good old check in the mail kind of thing. It's going to work. Don't worry about that. Yeah. And um, I'll uh, I'll leave some some links in uh, on YouTube. Just go look at our page on YouTube, Thriving on Purpose. Search for our ministry uh, channel 
And um, under this video, I'm going to put a few links to different ideas, different things that I've seen different uh, ministries, different pastors use uh, to get funds. And yeah. they're really uh, simple, simple, simple to use simple tools, yeah. uh, tools. Exactly. And it's a no brainer. So number three of the advantage of going back to the Acts of the Apostles model less reliance on the pastor less pressure i should say not necessarily reliance but less pressure on the pastor we looked at the pastoral burnout statistics mm -hmm. it's not pretty it really is it's troubling even so let's face it there's um i've seen it time and again unrealistic expectations for pastors i mean it's insane what we expect of these men uh, and women but of these these people to be, it's completely crazy. I think we, we, we expect them to be like Jesus. I mean, to some extent, it's that nuts. Uh, it's very unreasonable. And in, uh, furthermore, in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, we read this. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve the 12 apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples, and they said this, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And yet, and I have seen this, especially in smaller churches, in smaller churches, I'm talking maybe 200 or less. I have seen this time and again. Pastors doing stuff that you're like, my goodness, where do, where do, where do his duties end? taking out the trash and serving at tables and having people over to his house for a barbecue and visiting everybody during the week. It's like, it's nuts. It's nuts. No wonder they go on burnout. Uh, so, and, and a lot of those duties, I'm sorry, they're not necessary for him to do. It should be, it could be, it should be done by someone else. So because of the, 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 the church model that we've grown accustomed to, they have extra tax. I mean, you got you got some pastors. I mean, in seminary, they teach you accounting classes for crying out loud. Seriously, you, you, you're you're a man of <laughs> you're, you're you're a you're a man of God. You're supposed to be preaching the word of God and, and teaching and shepherding the flock, uh, and yet you need to know accounting too. I mean, seriously, no wonder some churches just go bankrupt because the pastor is not fit to do. It. And then they they go they grow bigger churches, and then they need to hire. A, 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 a special pastor for the accounting and all it, it's a it's, it's a mess it's one big mess anyway uh, there's there's serious issues with the way we've been doing things especially when it grows it grows it grows it becomes very impersonal number four the assembling of ourselves in houses or online is a good thing because like we said earlier there's more of this interpersonal relationships and building up of the body one-on-one. -on -one. People get to know one another. There's this family setting where people really get to know and love one another, loving one another. Francis Chan is very passionate about that, but it's such an important component of church life. And unfortunately, because of the system we've adopted, it, it kind of, it, it doesn't favor that. It doesn't mean that people are not willing to love one another. It just means that this that setting in which it is done is does not 
favor that. It's not conductive, mm-hmm. conducive to that kind of relationship, one-on-one relationship where we share our burdens with one another, we pray for one another, we get in court and say, let's pray together and let's let's have that deeper bond, that, let's go deeper. Uh, Howard Snyder, author of The Problem of Wineskins, Church Structure in a Technological Age, which ironically was written something like 20 or 30 years ago. Here's what he wrote in the book. Christians did not begin to build church buildings until about A.D. 200, so 200 after Christ. This fact suggests that whatever else church buildings are good for, they are not essential either for numerical growth or spiritual depth. Mm -hmm. The early church possessed both these qualities, and the church's greatest period of vitality and growth until recent times was during the first two centuries AD. In other words, the church grew fastest when it did not have the help or hindrance of church buildings. So that's in his book, The Problem of Wineskins on page 69. Uh, So many, many pastors and many church leaders and many members, many church members right now listening to us right now, understandably grew up with the, the model that we know and love. So it's kind of like a comfort zone. It's like a, a yeah. comfy thing that we know and love and, and grew up with. And we have fond, some of us have fond memories of going to with grandma to church when we were kids and grandpa and, and, and mom and dad and the sister and brother. And so we have a, a memories of that where we, we fondly cherish, where we sang together. And, and it was a special thing, especially little country churches. I find them that they're so cute. But um, how can I put this? So a lot of us don't want to let that go. And I'm not saying you have to. I want to make that clear. You don't have to let it go. So right now, what but you we're, can do we're is... Seeing, we're, at, we're at a crossroads right now. We're yeah. a fork in the road where we're seeing that, uh, th- that it might be something that we need to face in the near future to mm-hmm. redo, rethink the church, do it differently. So like Elizabeth mentioned, there's fears that are hindering people from doing it this way. And I I jotted down three fears, and I think they're very relevant. So the three fears of church leadership, church members, people in general who attend church to do things differently, to, to say, hey, you know what? Let's try this Acts model and see how that works. You don't have to close down the church and sell it. You can just say, let's implement it now. In a stronger fashion, because a lot of churches have home, uh, home Bible studies and all that. But uh, it's like uh, imagine a bird. So the church building is a huge muscular wing, and the other wing, which is a, a little bit of a little uh, a hummingbird wing, <laughs> that's the home church. Let's try to make those two wings more equal, and see where that leads in six months, or maybe even before that. But the point is. I think we're at a time where the church needs to envision transition, envision transition, because this is where I feel that God is leading us in the West. Like Francis Chan said in a clip, he said, uh, you know, other people in other countries, especially in underdeveloped countries or communist countries, they do church for free. They assemble. It doesn't cost them anything. And they thrive. I mean, they're, they're, they're on fire for God. Yeah. So what's going on here? You know? We need to start rethinking the way we do church, the way we've been doing it. 
And I think it's wise with the times that we're in right now, um, especially if you're in a state or, you know, a situation where uh, you're forced to close down your church or maybe uh, your church is open, but you have all these restrictions. Um, you know, now is the time more than ever to try to place, to put in place certain things online. So I'm going to get a little more technical with you. Um, but for example, you know, Facebook groups, okay, it doesn't cost you anything to open a Facebook group, you can ask, you know, all the believers that you know, that are part of your church to be part of a Facebook group. Most people know how to to get into a Facebook group and join and that also, you know, can be done by email where you send out an email to everybody saying here, click here and join our group. And so that's a really good way for you to stay in communication with your community to let them know what's going on, uh, where are things at, you know, what are what's happening with the state, what's happening with um, the, the the laws in the community. You know, are you going to be open on Sunday? Are you not going to be open on Sunday uh, for this and this reason? And it's a really um, good and personal way, you know, to stay connected. I mean, there's a reason why Facebook thrived the way it did is that people really felt that they could stay connected and and you know ask people questions and have conversations on messenger um you know that chat app um that normally they wouldn't be chatting with a certain person you know because they live for, farther away or they haven't seen them in years because they moved away so that's just an example you know of how you can stay on top of of really chit-chatting and getting to know every member of the community um, of your of your church because it's a lot easier for you to just send them a message. Hey, I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. You know, it creates it creates more of that personal touch. Um, and you know, it like he said, you know, you can start those little um, home churches, those different. Uh, you know, you can ask those that are already leaders in your church if they'd be willing to to try something out like that. But another important thing that Francis Chan mentioned that I think is crucial is that when you're building these leaders um, and, you know, you're starting, for example, maybe in your community, in your home, and then you, you know, build those leaders up so that they can go and do uh, the, the their own thing and start their own little home church. Well, it's important to stay on track of those leaders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can have a Facebook group that's just for those leaders where, uh, you know, you can use technology like we have. Yeah, we talked about that, like maybe a Tuesday night meeting with the, the, the head pastor. Just to give with, a heads with up. With all the leaders of those home churches. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, welcome to the Tuesday night meeting. You got any questions, any problems that you've encountered as you as you lead your own uh, home churches? Anything you want to uh, say or share or, or, yeah, or, or just, ask? Or just ask the lead pastor of that church, you know, pour into those people. Maybe they're struggling with different things, you know, yeah. that are in their personal life that they need prayer for. Uh, they need edification. Maybe they need to hear, you know, some prophecy. Maybe uh, they just, you know, need to be all together and pray as leaders and understand each other's yeah. difficulties and stuff. So um, it's a really great way to just keep, you know, track of of who's where and, you know, how they're doing and see if you can help them in any way. Yeah. And, um, you know, shift if maybe somebody, you know, can't or, uh, you know, you need to create another um, community elsewhere. Maybe that person just can't do it for health reasons or whatever. Like, at least you'll know about everything going going on. Right. 
And so in the main group, then I'll get to know, you'll get to know more people. And mm-hmm. what's great is that everybody that they know, and you know, like a lot of those people know other believers that aren't going to your church because they live farther away, but that would love to hear your teachings that they can add them to that group. So your congregation in that Facebook group can grow uh, exponentially. And, you know, you could all even um, do Facebook lives if you wanted to about your teachings. That's a a way and share your teachings to bless uh, the whole community and share them in the group. Or you could also, as a lead pastor, if you feel that your uh, leaders are not that uh, solid in their role right away, um, you could also just say, hey, you know, we could start just by having, uh, you know, different communities, different people that are, are willing to do this home church. But, you know, all you will have to do is connect on Zoom on the computer. So Zoom is an, uh, an app that's free. And um, if you talk longer than 40 minutes, then you need like a $20 subscription by per month. But if it, it's under 40 uh, minutes, the teaching is free. So, you know, and then you can, as a pastor, you can sign up to that. And then people that join on Zoom, they don't need to pay anything. Even if you talk for an hour, they can listen to you and and they can view the the sermon. They can listen to the teaching. Yeah. And what's cool about that is that there's even a chat where they can ask questions. So every leader in that in that home church can ask questions that people are having in their in, in their home and it could be asked to the lead pastor. So you're going to get a lot of personal stuff, you know, that normally you wouldn't get because people, um, you know, just were too shy to ask you certain questions. Or just simply like if, if, if let's say you adopt as a church, you say, let's do uh, home groups and let's start doing it. For example, on Sunday, let's assemble in houses. So you got these groups of tens and fifteens in different houses, maybe less. And the pastor can do the main teaching yeah. on Zoom, after which, okay, let's say it was a 30-minute, 45-minute sermon. Boom, we shut it. And then we then we get back together and discuss what we just heard to create that connection, have a time of prayer. That could be the home church model you adopt. Or it yeah, could be and, a- and even the leaders can join on Zoom. And the way the Zoom works is that it kind of looks like different uh, – different squares that you can see everybody. So everybody can see who's there and, you know, you can ask questions on behalf of somebody else. Every leader can participate and that's a great way to build leadership. So when you're starting out, they're not, maybe not as confident to do it on their own, but they can start that way by you facilitating the, the mastermind or the teaching. And, um, and then, you know, the person, the leaders of, of each group can participate in asking questions and, just to get used to the whole thing until they're able to do their own thing and do do their own teaching. But, it, but it's all about equipping. Yeah. It's all about equipping, which is a lack. Let's face it, in a big church, it's a lack. People are not equipped. They they mm-hmm. go, they, they, they go tradition, they go get fed, whatever, and then they move on to something else on a Monday and, you know, back the next Sunday and whatever. Uh, but, hey, while we were talking earlier, while we were sharing with you uh, guys – the uh, the advantages of going back to this uh, earlier church model. Something came to me. I think it was the Holy Ghost showing me this, and this is very good, and I, I'm sure you'll agree. A lot of big churches have been plagued by witchcraft practitioners infiltrating the church and taking over some of the ministries inside the church 
and the end result in a year or two can be disastrous. We're talking church splits, church yeah. closures, pastors involved in scandals, the church implodes and it's over. So a lot of, in other words, uh, witches, warlocks, disguise themselves as goody-goody Christians, infiltrate the church and ascend to high positions in ministry or, or, or start uh, creating division uh, with a spirit of Jezebel and all these things. Well, guess what? Much harder to accomplish <laughs> in a home church. Yeah, you're gonna much notice, harder because they're, they're going to stand out <laughs> like a sore thumb in a group of five, ten, fifteen people. You know what I mean? It's 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 a lot of uh, it's going to be. In other words, it's going to be a lot harder for the enemy to hit those home churches uh, than it is for uh, the enemy to infiltrate almost incognito yeah. at first in a big five hundred people, a thousand people church. And start doing some some of their nasty work, you know what I mean? So that came to me while we were sharing. I was like, oh, that's another advantage, and I forgot to point it out. And I'm so glad that the Lord showed me that. So I'm sharing it with you guys. So, in other words, uh, nothing is perfect while we're here on earth. There's always going to be stuff that that is hard in ministry, that is challenging in, in societies, depending on what the uh, the uh, the obstacles may be. In our case, this year, 2020, the, the obstacle was obviously uh, the government is, uh, regimentation of all things. And uh, it's been making stuff very complicated for a lot of ministers and churches. But the point is, even with what we proposed, mm. it's still not going to be perfect because we're not in heaven yet. And Jesus is not ruling yet. Uh, well, he's ruling. What I mean by that is he's not here on earth establishing his kingly rule uh, in, in person. Uh, so until that day comes where his rulership will be perfectly established, we're always going to uh, have some kinds of problems or obstacles or imperfect things. So we need to keep taking imperfect action. But I really believe that God is showing us uh, a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's, he broke the salt shaker and the salt is spreading. And there's going to be major, major shifts in the way we've been doing church in 2021, which is why we called it Church Transformation 2021. Exactly. So we encourage you to go to, um, you know, our our site, uh, thrivingourpurpose.com. But if you want to go subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, all you need to go is search on YouTube, Thriving on Purpose. You'll find our channel, uh, the little top diamond there. We have top nuggets, so they're inspirational little nuggets, teachings, um, that you can listen to. We have all our broadcasts, all our teachings there, um, even some audio podcasts that we've done in the past, like 150 something. Uh, uh, podcasts, we're, we're at 105 in podcasts. So there's yeah, a but I'm lot talking of material. About, sorry, I'm talking about the video. Oh, YouTube? Yeah. YouTube. Uh, uh, where is it? Yeah, YouTube. Oh, there, we got, we've got a lot of teachings on so there. So thrivingonpurpose.com has a lot of resources that you can download in the free resource section. Uh, we have a lot of podcast episodes. So because we started podcasting before we did broadcasting. <laughs> and yeah. um, so if you're listening to us through our podcast, you know this, but um, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com. We add uh, new resources and we have our Facebook group, Top Kingdom Growth. If you'd like to be part of that, um, that's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com on the front page and just uh, put in your pop in your name and your email and we'll send you a, 
an email with the link to join our Facebook group so that we can stay in touch. She can ask us questions. Yeah, there. Join, join the email. Email lists are becoming really, really precious right now with all the, the social media yeah. um, changes and censoring and all censorship. that. Censorship. Yeah, exactly. I know yeah. a, a wonderful woman of God who lost her whole YouTube channel this week and I was in shock, but well, somewhat in shock because anyway, she, she talks, she, she, she shakes the, the cage sometimes, but she's a wonderful woman of God. And it was just sad to see that she lost all her hard work on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's important to have an email list and I'll leave the link to the best um, email um, company that I know that's very simple to use, nothing complicated, nothing fancy. And uh, you can stay in, in contact with all the events that you organize uh, with the body of Christ, with the with your church. Uh, you can send them off your Facebook group links and uh, any resource that you create. And that's the other wonderful thing. Like, you know, Sebastian um, wrote this book. Um, it's the five reasons God wants you to prosper. Um, you know, he wrote this. He uh, put this on Amazon and he's able to offer it to everybody that uh, listens to our podcast or our broadcast. So, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit to where, um, you know, you can bring your uh, ministry online and uh, make all these tools available to people. And uh, if you need, if you have any questions, you can write to us uh, through our website, thrivingonpurpose.com, or look us up on our Facebook page, Thriving On Purpose, and uh, shoot us a message on Messenger, and we'll be glad to give you any tips uh, if you need some. So is there anything else you want to add? I think I said everything. I said I said everything. I, I, I talked a lot. <laughs> All right. So we hope that you were blessed. Let us know in the comments from wherever you're listening to uh, how you uh, enjoyed this broadcast. If it gave you ideas, maybe you have ideas to share with us that we can add um, in this video as well in the, in the description. Um, and like I said, I'll leave you all the links on YouTube. Just a search for this video and you'll find it under Church Transformation 2021. Be blessed. And thrive on. <laughs>